This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing, making people's lives better. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Zneimer. Today kicks off National Volunteer Week in Canada, and Zoomers are our most dedicated volunteers. Coming up, I'll talk to Volunteer Canada's Paula Spivak-Sladowski about how giving can actually make you live longer and how to land the perfect volunteer job. With all this buzz, you'd think this was Fifty Shades of My Way. (laughs) That's the iconic Paul Anka adapting his legendary ballad, My Way, at a cocktail party to celebrate the launch of his autobiography. I'll have that, but first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. I got within about 15 feet of the finish marker and a terrible explosion, so loud it just deafened everything and my legs just started going like noodles and I, I knew I was going down right there. That's 78-year-old marathoner Bill Ifrig sharing his experience of the tragic attack on the Boston Marathon this week. The video of that moment went viral and Ifrig inspired the entire nation with his calm resolve. Here's what President Barack Obama said at an interfaith memorial at Boston's Cathedral of the Holy Cross. Bill Ifrig, 78 years old, the runner in the orange tank top who... We all saw get knocked down by the blast. We may be momentarily knocked off our feet, but we'll pick ourselves up. We'll keep going. We will finish the race. Lord above, don't you know I'm finding. Here in Canada, we said goodbye to a musical icon. Rita McNeil passed away at the age of 68 from complications following surgery. The Cape Breton singer moved to Toronto at the age of 17 to search for her big break. It did not come until 1986 when she performed a six-week run at Vancouver's Expo 86. The following year, she earned a Juno Award as the most promising female artist at the age of 42. From that point on, her career skyrocketed and she became known as Canada's First Lady of Song. A funeral for Rita McNeil will be held tomorrow in her hometown, Big Pond, Cape Breton. A study out of America's Centers for Disease Control and Prevention finds that older pedestrians have a much higher risk of being killed in a traffic accident. The analysis of 10 years of data showed that traffic-related deaths for men and women aged 75 and older were more than double those of people aged 34 and younger. The CDC suggests the reason is that the elderly are more frail and therefore more likely to die as a result of their injuries. Well, I'm thrilled to be conducting the last night of the proms. It's an incredible honor. That's American conductor Marin Alsop. 
This week it was announced that she would be the 2013 conductor for The Last Night at the Proms, the famous final concert that ends an eight-week summer season of concerts held across the UK. At 56 years old, Marin Alsop will enjoy a Zoomer moment as the first woman to ever conduct the prestigious concert. She will lead the BBC Symphony Orchestra along with violinist Nigel Kennedy and mezzo-soprano Joyce DiDonato. I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. If you're a volunteer, it's time to celebrate your contribution. It's National Volunteer Week, and Canadians have a lot to be proud of. With 13.3 million volunteers putting in a staggering 2 billion hours, we have the second largest voluntary sector in the world, only slightly behind the Netherlands. According to the nonprofit Volunteer Canada, Zoomers are uber-volunteers, pitching in 78% of all that volunteer time. I reached Paula Spivak-Sladowski in her Ottawa office. More than a third of all volunteers are baby boomers and have a high rate of volunteering. And in addition to that, tend to volunteer in all kinds of areas, but substantially in leadership positions. So many uh, boomers have had huge impact on the strategic direction of organizations, on merging organizations, may have been founders of organizations. This generation of boomers and beyond are certainly uh, making an impact and have left a huge legacy for the communities. We've seen all kinds of research that when you volunteer, it's good for you. It can actually lengthen your life by giving you purpose and making you feel connected, as you've been talking about. So what else can volunteering do for the person who volunteers? One of the neat things about looking at volunteering as a part of transitions, so transitions could be moving to a new community, retiring, um, having a change in your relationship or um, downsizing to a new home. So any of those kinds of uh, transitions can actually be helped through volunteering in addition to the contributions as a volunteer. So as an example, if you are moving into a condo and you've previously um, lived in another community, what better way to get to know your neighbors and to get a sense of connection to your new mini-community than volunteering within your condominium. There's social committees and environmental committees, recycling, uh, all kinds of activities happening. Similarly, if you are somebody who planned to travel or spend time with family after retiring, Combining volunteering, so you may have heard the term uh, volunteerism right. um, or, or volunteering um, in, uh, with a project in an, another community or overseas. So, again, combining volunteering with travel, family volunteering um, is great where many generations can do that together. Or perhaps um, you have a grandchild who, uh, and you want to volunteer in their school. So, again, having more connection to family but volunteering at the same time. What is the key to attracting people in that demographic and keeping them? I mean, I, there's a problem of retaining volunteers the same way you have to retain good employees. Oh, absolutely. We don't want to waste our time, but we also want to know the impact of uh, the volunteering we're doing. In fact, there are a couple of organizations who have started to give volunteers impact statements every six months or every year because what, it's one of the most motivating things, particularly for people in the uh, boomer generation. The other thing is you have to find a fit, as with a job. Uh, I know 
personally, it took a while, and I had a few kind of false starts where yeah. where it it didn't fit what they wanted me to do wasn't what I wanted to do. So if you're looking to volunteer, how do you find the right thing for you? Are you the kind of person that likes doing things uh, alone, or are you um, interested in a group activity, either meeting other people by volunteering or volunteering actually with a group of people you already know? The other thing is whether you like things well-defined, and that makes you comfortable when you have a lot of structure, or do you prefer to hear what is the end goal, and you create the critical path and and, um, make the work your own and in your own way? Uh, so there's all kinds of factors in that sense. Also, the values of the organization. Do they uh, believe in some of the same things that you do in terms of their mission, but also how they treat people, how they interact with suppliers and purchasers? What are some of their key policies in that respect? A lot of times things start off well enough, um, mm-hmm. and then you can get into all kinds of problems, especially on volunteer boards, whether it's personalities or, um, you know, even conflicts of interest. It's politics. One of the questions we asked in one of our studies was, have you ever had a negative volunteer experience? And actually, two-thirds of people say they have had at least one negative uh, volunteer experience. Most of them continue to volunteer and find other things. But when we asked what made it negative, the top thing was politics within the organizations, power plays, conflicts, uh, being exposed to nastiness, which isn't what people find uh, nourishing in their lives. The other thing is, uh, second most uh, significant thing in terms of those negative experiences, the sense that um, the organization wasn't well organized and prepared for them. So they would show up and either um, the task uh, wasn't available or the room wasn't set up and they felt that they were wasting their time. Any advice on the, the politics that we were just talking about? I think it's great to be open about it and whoever your contact is within the organization to let them know that that's not um, what you signed up for, that that is a disincentive to stay connected and to, to really give that feedback. Okay, on that note, thank you very much and happy Volunteer Week. And happy National Volunteer Week to you all. Take care. National Volunteer Week runs from today through next Sunday. And coming up, we'll talk about one of those nonprofits that provides critical services the government can't cover the Mookie Bomb Foundation for children and adults with complex disabilities like autism. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing, making people's lives better. We've all heard about the severe lack of services in this province for people with autism and other complex disabilities. The Mookie Bomb Foundation is trying to bridge that gap with after-hours programs for children and adults with those conditions and their families. Founder Nahama Bomb dropped by our brand new studios to tell us about her work and about a special fundraiser. The Mukibam Accessibility Foundation was created in order to provide services in the community. And the services have to do with families and children, mainly with autism, but with other complex disabilities. And the services that we are providing are therapeutic, clinical, educational in nature. 
I created a model that has families working together in all activities so parents can learn really to also see their children with such challenges, not only the negative aspect of that, but also to discover in their children the beauty and ability that the kids have. How much is provided through our health care system and, and what are people missing or what were people missing? Healthcare says, and as well as social services really provides a funding to provide kind of day programs, uh, residential programs. This is where funding exists. However, there is really a hole. There is a vacuum somewhere. Now, the foundation's programs are mainly in the evening. They are not during the day. So a lot of times when a child comes home from school or from a day program, they sit because there is a lot of times they have nothing to really do. This is the whole that the foundation really tries to serve, and that is to provide this type of program that is very intensive, very individualized to the children and their parents and siblings. You have a, obviously a very personal motive for this. After graduating from social work, my son Muki was born, and Muki has cerebral palsy and he's deaf. So that really gave me all the years the motivation to learn more, to do more, and to mainly to do for him what he needed in order to, from a very, very challenging, difficult situation diagnosis, he became a human being that is he's a man that is in his 50s now, so he's a Zoomer, and he is showing really the world and himself and everyone and us what a person with such limitations really can really achieve. Now, you mentioned that Muki is a Zoomer. Uh, you started this when he was a child. I think this is a big issue. So the children or former children with these kinds of limitations are now growing up, and even more so their parents who have been caring for them in a very intensive way are getting much older. What kind of challenges is that bringing? So there are so many issues with parents who are Zoomers and have kids who are Zoomers as well, and how do they manage life? So there, there are health situations, there are deterioration of, of many kind of capacities and, and cognitive abilities. And a lot of times we think, well, people with disabilities just have disabilities, but it's not because they experience very similar things to what you and I, when we are Zoomers, experience as well. And we need to really think about that, too. But, but I'm also thinking about these parents. If we talk about autism, for instance, and you have someone with autism who is already 45 or 50 and the parents really are aging. It's very tough when the parent really becomes kind of, let's say, hard of hearing, people lose their capacities, and then they need to get to take care of their kids, even if it is only psychologically or emotionally. It's tough. It's difficult. What I learned a long time ago, and, and that is that on the one hand, we can feel that we are super people and we can do whatever it is. But on the other hand, really, the reality is that we need to ask for help. If you're a Zoomer, an older Zoomer, and you have a child in their 50s or however old that is dependent on you and will always be dependent on you, you worry, what's going to happen to them after I'm gone? And this is what parents all the time really express. What we are doing in the foundation really work with parents, really prepare them to do life plans, not only for themselves, but also for their children, so that there will be things in place. Uh, and there are a variety of tools that can be done. Not everyone can afford them, but there is a need to do that. And I will tell you, there are families who don't have anyone here. They just came, they immigrated, it's them and one child because of the disability, only one child. And they need help. 
they don't know how to go. They don't know where to go. They don't know who will help. So there is a need to, to design or support or create kind of networks of parents that parents can talk to each other, that parents can really help each other as well as in society. And the problem is that there isn't enough kind of funding to, to do all of these kind of things. Okay, so speaking of the funding, how do you fund your work? So we are not government funded, so everything is fundraising. And we have very good people on board that really try to do that and help us, as well as events that we are putting together, grants that we are asking for, you know, support from, from individuals. So this is how we do it. Well, of, of course, I am involved with right. an upcoming event that I'm very much looking forward to on, on May the 7th. So tell us a bit about it. What we are going to do there really is to show how we can live, we can be happy, we can really enjoy our life and find ways to overcome challenges, various challenges, whether it is health challenges, whether it is psychological, emotional, behavioral challenges, life challenges for us, all of us, as well as for families that have children with disabilities. Nechama Baum, thank you so much for being with us. That was really interesting and uh, obviously uh, services that a lot of people really, really need. Thank you so much for inviting me. The event is called Finding Purpose and Joy in the Zoomer Years. It's at the Toronto Reference Library on Tuesday, May 7th. There will be a special cocktail reception followed by my speech and a Q&A. For tickets, go to muckibaumfoundation.com. That's M-U-K-I-B-A-U-M foundation.com. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. At the age of 71, the iconic singer and songwriter Paul Anka has written an autobiography. He was in town to promote it this week, and coming up, we'll hear a conversation he had with AM740's own John Gallagher. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing, making people's lives better. How great you saved this date to celebrate with this posh party. And gee, my new book and CD, you each get free. Thanks to Stan Barty. Give him a hand, folks. At the age of 71, Paul Anka has written a book about his life in music. My Way, an autobiography, shares his experiences on stage and working alongside famous stars like Elizabeth Taylor, Chuck Berry, Tom Jones, Sammy Davis Jr., Michael Jackson, and many others. He was in town earlier this week and caught up with the new AM 740's own John Gallagher. The book's fascinating. Thank you. Uh, my goodness. Tell, go through the process of writing this thing. I mean, wow, how do you pack all these, all this into all those years? Well, you, you make a decision you're going to open your veins up so far and not write it. You're on Howard Stern and telling a couple of stories, and his audience starts calling in, write a book. Then he urges you on. He goes on Larry King's says, best interview I ever had should write a book. So I got a call from St. Martin's Press, and I said, you know, maybe it is time. By the time I finish it, you know, they didn't push me to finish. 
Uh, I'd be in my 70s and maybe get too old to remember half the stuff that's in there. Yeah. So I just sat down and went through uh, files and files of stuff. I've got everything uh, in file cabinets. We've got a big storage area at the uh, facility. And you start piecing it together. You know, what's relevant, what isn't, what do you want to talk about, what's fluff. What do you anticipate is not interesting? I mean, you're not going to start talking about a, a uh, pizza contest in Wildwood with Frankie Avalon. You know, nobody cares. So I looked at everything with everyone, and I said, let me write without malice, without being judgmental. Let me write about what I think people will be interested to realize that in my fortunate journey, and as working hard as I did, I met a lot of people that these people know that are human beings like you and I, and that it's not all perfect and they stood by their convictions and I just went through it you know like you said 55 years you can't cram it in 370 pages so it was a process and hopefully it came out well we're getting a fantastic reaction to it and you know if you stay honest with it and you tell it like it is because the consumers real smart you know they don't like to BS I think they've been BS too long by many many different factions if you just tell the truth about a bunch of stuff and they realize it's honest then that's the name of the game isn't it Paul Anka you're a good looking son of a gun don't Ooh. you ever die <laughs> I hope not <laughs> I don't mind dying I don't <laughs> want to be there when it happens <laughs> <laughs> thank you my friend Paul Anka with one of his earliest hits, Diana. My Way, an autobiography by Paul Anka is available now. And that brings us to the end of another edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Please come back next week to find out where the best chefs in the world like to go when they want a great meal. We'll see you then. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Neiman. Produced by Paul Thomas. Program director, John Vandriel. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review. Heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network. Home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.